Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm talking to Jim Parsons. He is the founder and uh, owner of Equinox Sound and Entertainment and the Sports Side Hustle. Welcome to the show today, Jim. How's it going? Good. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's great having somebody on the show who has a great setup. And I have to admit, I'm feeling a little inadequate today because I'm stuck back in the in the studio where I don't normally record these. And so I'm just hoping all the audio and the visuals are going to look okay today. You know, no problem at all. I can hear you just great from my end. And I'll tell you, uh, what we learn as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure we'll talk about this today, is that you need to be able to pivot. So when something comes up and you got to switch things around and work in a situation that you don't normally work in, you just got to make it work. So that's, uh, and I should be able to look at something like what I do for a living here and give you some sort of idea that I have professional equipment. So uh, it's less about <laughs> you and more about me just making sure that I uh, I come across like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time today out of your schedule to chat with us a little bit about your journey. Before sure. we get into what it is that you do and why you have such a great setup sitting there at home, if you wouldn't mind just telling me what you think are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know. Well, I could tell you this. Uh Every entrepreneur needs to constantly be learning. I mean, that's just, so there's so many things that we need to know. But if I had to pick three, I would probably say, one, are you passionate about what you're doing? Uh, I've learned very quickly that when you get into something and you put as much effort and work into something you're not passionate about, it does not go very well. It doesn't tend to have yeah. a long-term uh, sustainability or gain for you. So you need to be passionate about it. Uh, two, are you solving problems? Because at the end of the day, no matter what we're doing, whatever, what service or product we're providing, the idea here is to solve somebody's problem for them. And if you're not doing that, what value are you really offering? Uh, and then yeah. three, is it scalable? Because one of the things that I've learned is that sometimes businesses that sound fantastic on paper or in your head, you realize very quickly are very difficult to scale. And if you want to grow something, if you want to just do something for fun and you want to keep yourself busy, scalability might not be the hugest issue. But if you want to blow something up, you want to expand it, scale it, you need to know if the business can actually scale, because if it's not one of those things that can, you're going to really struggle uh, to do that in an industry that just wasn't meant for scalability. So uh, probably those are the three things I would say. Yeah. And scalability is one of the things that I struggled with, with one of my previous businesses. And so I started uh, a uh, consultancy, a business management consultancy back in 2008, I guess it would have been is when I started that business, left, uh, you know, my, my employment and uh, working for the man, so to speak, and then started doing my own thing. And that was out of passion. I really wanted to help businesses, organizations be more strategic about the things that they're doing and achieve the success that, you know, they had the potential of achieving. And I was really frustrated with the organization I was working with at the time and that, you know, that there just wasn't a lot of strategy getting employed, even though I was supposed to be at the strategic table amongst a bunch of other people on the leadership team in that. And, uh, and it was just an extremely frustrating place to work because of that. And so I wanted to do that myself uh, for other people. And it was just incredibly difficult to scale because what I was finding is my customers wanted my time. When I brought in junior consultants to help them out and, and so on, to put them on different projects, uh, invariably they wanted my time and I just couldn't scale my time, right? And so then yeah. that's when I started to pivot and look for another opportunity and that's where Ample Media came from. And so I've lived that pain. And so I really like the fact that you have articulated that so clearly that the importance of that because otherwise you're just 
really creating a job for yourself. And it could be a really great job. It could be really rewarding, both in you know, the things that you get to do as well as the compensation you're receiving, but it's a job. It's not necessarily a, a big business or doesn't have the potential to be that big business anyway. Yeah. And I learned it on two fronts. I got whacked twice because one, it was yeah. trading time for my own you know, money. So me personally going out and doing events and then realizing that most of the events were either on a Friday or Saturday night. So I had two out of seven days a week. That was about yeah. all I could do. So it was fun at first. It was great. I loved it. And then when I wanted to grow and go, well, man, can I do more of this? I can either charge a lot of money or I can bring on other people. But the challenge there is, again, you need to teach them how to do it your way. And then you also need to be available on Fridays and Saturdays and not Mondays or Wednesdays or whatever. So I ran into a couple of challenges with my business in that respect. Yeah. Well, and speaking of your business, why don't you tell everybody in the audience what it is that uh, Equinox is all about, what uh, you were doing there so they have a better context as to why it was only a couple of days a week? Sure. Well, I started as a professional disc jockey. So I was going to university to get a bachelor's degree in education at the University of Alberta. And during that time, I and I've always loved music. I just sort of fell into doing a couple. If you've ever seen music trivia or name that tune, it was a music yeah. game where you would have to guess the artist and song title. We I did this with a friend at a couple of Boston Pizza locations and really kind of liked it. And I'm like, man, this is kind of fun. And so yeah. I started going out and seeing if I could get more work like that. And then I fell into doing some nightclub work and things like that. So I became a professional DJ very quickly during my university education. So much so that as I was dealing with clients at the clubs or at lounges and things like they were getting married. They're like, Hey, do you do weddings and, and things like that? So we started doing, or I started personally doing, you know, weddings, corporate parties, graduations, uh, things like that. And enough of them that I really had to think at the end of my university degree, do I want to be a teacher or do I want to do this? And it was kind of a conflict of interest. I was teaching high school students, many of whom found out I was a DJ would love to search me out. And that wasn't always the best uh, thing to have your grade 12 students find you on a Friday night at the nightclub. So it was kind of like, yeah. man, I got to pick one of these things. So I really got into DJing uh, full time. And then I started to scale that and try to grow with other people underneath me. And we talked about that challenge a little bit. But we did get to a point where we were doing about four to 500 events a year, about 20 events a weekend. Um, so it was very busy time doing weddings and grads and seasonal work along the way. But then we got hit with a pandemic and I, a lot of changed because a lot of the events had to stop. And I started doing uh, content creation and production values for podcasts and video work and audio editing for other companies and corporate clients. And that's what we do a lot of now. So I don't do as many live events as I used to do. Uh, in fact, I'm personally retired from doing the events myself, but uh, I just sort of sit in my home studio and, and work away every day. So we do a lot yeah. of uh, audio video work for uh, company clients now, but we started with live events and we still do those every once in a while. Excellent. Well, yeah, the pandemic had a tremendous impact on a lot of industries, but there's very few that were hit harder than your industry uh, because it was so reliant on those in person. I mean, sure, there was a lot of things that were pivoting to some online virtual events and so on, but that was pretty tough, I would imagine, to keep the doors open, so to speak, while you were uh, trying, to, yeah. trying to find those events to really make it work online, right? It's nothing like telling, I mean, there were a lot of people and I feel for everybody who went through trouble at that time when they couldn't go to work or they couldn't do their thing and there was layoffs. I understand all that. And that was really hard for a lot of people. We got to the point where we just were told you can't go do these events. Like you just literally yeah. can't go make your money. So we had no way of alternately offering people to stop getting married. They held off their weddings, company parties just didn't happen because corporations didn't either have the money or they didn't have enough people that wanted to go. And there was just, so we, for like two yep. years, we just couldn't do any events. And so 
most of our employees or subcontractors were part-time and they all had to in that year and a half to two years sort of move on to other parts of their life and do other things. So uh, when it all came back around and we could start doing it again, it kind of was like, man, what do we do? We're starting from square one here because a lot of these clients uh, aren't getting married or they did other things and all of our employees are gone. Uh, So it was a real challenge for us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't quite recognize unless they were living within one of those industries that were really struggling to the point where you had to lay everybody off. And then when things did turn around, you know, the, the general public is like, oh, well, you guys must be really busy. It must have been, been great, right? You're having a really good year uh, this last year. And it's like, well, no, I didn't have the capacity to take on the work. Sure, the work was there, but I didn't have the capacity because I didn't have the people. And so recruitment became such a huge, huge issue. Yeah, especially for us, because one of our philosophies or mine anyway, was I liked to teach DJs from scratch that had no experience because hiring from other companies, bringing in from you had to shake bad habits. And a lot of yeah. people will tell you shaking a bad habit is a lot harder than actually teaching good habits from square one. So we yeah. did a lot in our training process. And that is not something that happens overnight. I can't just bring somebody in and have them working next weekend. So uh, especially at a wedding, that's really important for a customer to have go right uh, for company parties that if they want to, you're going to get hired back next year, you got to send somebody who's qualified and knows what they're doing. So it takes a while to train these people. And yeah, when you don't have that uh, available to you, there's just only so much work you can take. Now, one of the things that a lot of, of my guests have said on the show is just the the resilience that entrepreneurs need to have, right? To whether you know, the ups and downs and so on. This is a massive down, right? Like in terms of the collapse of your industry, uh, the collapse of your business model. And so I would, you know, not getting into the business side of that as much as getting into more of the emotional side. As an entrepreneur, how do you, you know, manage that? How do you deal with the emotion uh, that is associated with this collapse when you have such a thriving business pre and then just overnight it's turned off and no fault of your own? Yeah, it's challenging for sure. I mean, you have to kind of figure out, okay, one, you have to tell yourself you can do this, right? Because when you started as an entrepreneur, you did this. Like you you had to start from scratch. There wasn't, you might've had some help. You might've had some mentors, you might've, but you did it. Like you went out there and you grinded and you worked and you built something from nothing. And you had to tell yourself constantly, okay, I can do this again. Like if I have to, and they always ask that age old question, if you had to start from ground zero with nothing, what is the first thing that you would do to start over? Well, having done it once, you know, you can do it again and you're confident. And that's a big hurdle for a lot of early entrepreneurs is that they don't know that they can do this. They've never done it before. I hadn't Mm. been able to do it. And so having known that I could build something and grow something and get it scaled up to where we were a seven figure company, I was like, okay, whatever it is I do next, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. And so I just had to identify the problem and go, okay, what are we looking at now? Like we can't go really do these live events. I need something. I got both lucky and confident in my own ability to do it. I was already writing and freelance working and creating content for people and some of the productions that we were doing. So I just said, okay, well, I guess I got to figure out how to make that a full-time thing. Um, so I started to do that. And that was easy because I was able to just stay at home and, and write yeah. from the comfort of my own office and just find the work uh, and go out there and, and do that. Uh, but I also sort of knew, okay, well, I can do this. I got to grind. I got to plug away. Uh, so uh, timing was good, uh, but I also knew, okay, you just got to dig in from the trenches again and start all over. That's the key is just telling yourself you can do it. And when you've already done it once, then you, you're pretty confident you can do it again. Yeah. So one of the things also that I wonder about too, like you were saying, you, you, you have that confidence that you can do it again. You could even rebuild the existing business, but you decided to 
pivot away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it was forced through COVID, but then as things open back up again, it's like, okay, do I really want to rebuild what I had before? Um, now, one of the things that I'm cursed with, or maybe it's a blessing, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Um, but when it's kind of that next shiny thing, like I kind of get bored sometimes. Um, so when I'm building, uh, build for so long, and I think a lot of founders are that way. And it's like, okay, I want a different challenge. You know, this is becoming a little bit more routine. and and so. For me, if something were to collapse, you know, our primary business model, I don't know if I would have the desire to go and rebuild that, seeing that it collapsed once already. It's like, well, I kind of did that. Not, not that I'm worried necessarily that it's going to collapse a second time, but it's like, I, I want another challenge. Is that really similar for you? Is that why you decided to continue to pursue, you know, kind of what was the side hustle through COVID? and really turn that in or, or pre-COVID that turned into your primary business that you're now expanding today? Was it out of that, like desire to not just rebuild what you had before? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot going on, right? I One of the first thing I mentioned is you need to be passionate about something. And when you're forced yeah. to do something, I was liking what I was doing, but as I was forced to do it full-time in freelance writing or creating content or helping people with their podcasts, I really became passionate about it. I was doing it a lot. And so I was yeah. like, man, this is, I enjoy this. And so when you talk about a new challenge or you talk about something new, and then you realize, man, I wasn't doing this for the long. I was dabbling in it. Like I was training DJs from square one how to do it. I was giving them coaching materials. I was creating content to bring people who wanted to be future DJs or photographers or build their you know photo booth businesses, things like that. I was already sort of doing that, but this was now a, a different version of that. And I was really yeah. liking it. And I was kind of like, man, this is a lot of fun. And there's a lot of great things that come out of being able to do this work that I did not have to do on the other end. So I was working every weekend. I was working until 4am. I was working in cold weather. I was lugging equipment around. I was having clients who were, you know, drinking too much and was everybody was a pro. I mean, it was, there were challenges with that job. It's great when you're young and it's really fun to go out and party and have a good time and play a lot of good music and stuff like that. But as you get older and you've done it for 20 years, you kind of go, you know what? I feel like maybe that cycle has run for me. So um, when yeah. I started figuring that out and then I was like, man, I'm really passionate about this new thing. I, I really do like it. I just had to look and go, is there an opportunity here? I like this a lot. Is there something that I can do? And when I started to dig into digital courses and online education and content create, I was like, there's a really big market here. There's a massive need for this kind of work. And so I was like, I can do this like that. That's something that I, I found. So I just needed to marry the two things. I needed to figure out how to continue doing elements of my old business with things that I was doing now and was really passionate about and see if there was a way to sort of synchronize those two things. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. I'm working on it. I think it's there. It's just it's just the grind now, right? Yeah. Well, and this is the thing that I, I just really admire is that you are really taking a, a um a methodical, thoughtful look at how you apply what you were doing before into like the lessons that you've learned, but then also some elements of what you were doing, the knowledge that you have there, the brain trust that you created over all those years, and now applying it into a slightly different angle. So let's, let's talk about that. What, what is the sports side hustle? What is it that you're doing over there? Well, one of the freelance writing things that I do, in fact, many of the freelance writing things are sports related. So I cover the NHL, specifically the Edmonton Oilers. I I write for a number of different platforms. I have a couple of my own websites just related to sports. I really like it. I'm very passionate about it and play them and watch them and enjoy the whole hobby of it. Um, So I did a lot of that work. And so what I realized was that when I was able to go from 
you know, DJing professionally, you know, every weekend to now writing and making six figures doing it. I'm like, man, there's ability here. Like there's, there's an opportunity for a lot of people to do this. Can I teach this to other people? And so the sports side hustle uh, is basically a digital course that teaches people who are passionate about sports, who love it, who would one like to make income off of their passion for it. They simply are spending either too much money or they're too much time or they're dedicated to it, but they're not getting anything out of it other than the enjoyment of watching. Um, can they make some money with it? Well, I'll show them how to freelance write or podcast or create video, invest, buy and sell in collectibles and memorabilia, all the different lanes that a sports fan can look at to actually make money on the side, whether it's part-time or full-time if you want, which I'm now doing. Uh, both of those avenues exist for people. It's just a matter of where you want to do it and what you want to do and how much you want to invest in it and time. So if you want a full-time job, but a side income making, or you want to take away your full-time job and eventually do something in the sports world because you love it, uh, I kind of teach how to do either of those things. So that's what that course is all about. Yeah. And I really love what you're doing here because, well, for a number of reasons. So one, there's a huge audience of, you know, armchair, uh, you know, experts and coaches and everything else when it comes to sports. Right. And so they get super passionate about their teams. They follow it religiously. I mean, this was really the original, uh, you know, um, virtual reality or sorry, reality TV. I mean, uh, you know, where us men, uh, we criticize our, our female partners oftentimes with uh, the reality TV watching and, and so on, all the crazy different shows. But really, we're the ones who, who kind of started it when it came to sports, because it's just it's a it's a life unto itself. It's unlimited content. It's continuous. And there's so many dynamics that are on the ice and off the ice in, the, in terms of sports. And so it's a great um, audience that you have that has just an ongoing continuous need for new content all the time. Yeah. And so that's, I think, unique and, and a really smart uh, industry to be within or, or segment or, or area to focus. The other thing that I love about what you're doing is the multiple streams of revenue that you're creating within your, your business. And so you have the courses, but you're, there's all these different types of streams that you're teaching people to be able to create revenue from. Um, and so I think that's really unique. And then the other thing that I love about it is obviously the scalability of the courses. You create it once and, and sell it many times. And I'm sure you have some sort of coaching and ongoing uh, support that takes a little bit of one-on-one time um, or one-to-many time. But a lot of that is, is you know, create it once and, and keep selling it, right? So you've, you've productized your, your knowledge, essentially. Yeah. And I talked about those three problems earlier, like the three things any entrepreneur should know. And I said, my problems are, are you yeah. passionate about it? Well, one, we're identifying what people are passionate about and that's sports. Two, are you solving a problem? Well, a lot of people who are digesting that content you're talking about don't love the content they're digesting. They would rather their opinion be heard. They just maybe don't have the platform to get it out there, or they don't know they have the know-how to get it out there. But they're like, man, I just wish there was other alternative. I listen to the radio and it's so you know, it's, it's very homerish to the team that they work for or things like that, or the station, there's always an agenda. Uh, so we help them solve that problem and get their platform out there. And is it scalable? What we do, you know, whether it's podcasts or freelance writing or people who graduate through our course want to come and write for us. We actually offer jobs on the back end of it for people who graduate with us. Uh, they can write for us. They can write for somebody else. They can do whatever. They... So we are looking at multiple ways. And our idea when we go through this first course is to identify what they really love. What are they interested in? Are they interested in podcasting or writing? And then we help them get into those lanes specifically and teach them the A to Zs on that specific niche. And some of those things can marry together, but 
usually somebody within our first um, you know 14 days will discover what they're really liking and what they want to do and our job is to help them identify that and then go okay here's the next step what do you want to do yeah yeah it, so it's it's really good and one of the things too that I, I'd really like to emphasize for our audience is that this would have been difficult you know 10 years 15 years ago uh, and it's because technology now today has democratized this and so there's you know before you know 10 15 years ago you could still be blogging but the reach of that was going to be a lot less because there wasn't the social media um, exposure that you were able to get to to generate the following um, and so the the technology today is what is enabling you to be able to create this and for all of your students to be able to participate within it. And so that's also something that's really interesting too, I think in terms of a lot of the businesses is always be looking at, okay, well, how does technology, because it's rapidly changing right now, how does it open up new opportunities, I think, and uh, for a lot of these problems that are out there and how you're gonna leverage it to solve it. And so, um, that's something, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, but, uh, I, I would think that you would agree that this wouldn't have been really possible had it not been for some of the, the social media slash, uh, video technology and the way people are walking around with, uh, their phones and their, their, uh, their sure. unbelievable camera technology in their pocket all over the place where they can be doing those quick little hits for their audience and so on. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we teach early on in our first 14 day course is that within 30 days, this is one of the claims that we make. Within 30 days, we can have you published. So if yeah. you've never written anything, you've never produced anything, we will have you published on some platform. And that cool. never would have happened years ago, right? Before you look at yeah. the papers, if you're in, like I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, so we have a, a couple newspapers. We have to, that was usually the stream 10 years ago. You either worked for those papers or you didn't have a platform. Everybody's yeah. got a platform now, whether it's social media, blogs, websites, uh, working for others who have websites, we can find you somewhere to get published. So we teach, and even if you're not that great a writer or you're not that experienced, you have no previous knowledge on how to do it. Our job is to use these technologies and these platforms and these really easy way, like the barriers to entry on this are so low, uh, so much lower than they've ever been before. And that was one of the things that we identified as an opportunity Really, I did it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And that's kind of the, we preach that. I, my 76-year-old father, who was very old school educator from the university, he's doing it. He's making really good side income doing this. And he was very res reserved about the new technology. And we just, you just got to show him how to use it. So absolutely, if you take the technology and the opportunity and you realize the barriers to enter low, there's a lot that you can do in this industry for sure. Yeah, yeah, really cool. So now those are the opportunities that you identified, that you identified the problem and, and figured out a way to solve some of that. So what are some of the challenges that you think you're going to face between say now and the next, you know, a couple of years in which you want to take your business to whatever that next level is? What What's the big challenges that you feel that you have to overcome and how are you going to overcome those? Well, I mean, if we're talking, there's a few things that we can talk about, whether it's specifically with the sports course or it's my old business or what there's always challenges with everything that you're taking on uh, and you just have to one solve one problem at a time that's how i look at it you, whatever that problem is you solve that one problem at a time you solve the next problem solve the next problem marketing when you're talking about starting over with anything uh, marketing is always a huge uh, either expense or you need to be creative or you need to find uh, ways to get it out there uh, so we are really starting again and teaching and educating a lot of sports fans specifically that this is a legitimate way to make some money. You know, a lot of people are don't even realize that this is an opportunity. They see others on TV and they see people on the radio. They listen to them on podcasts or things like that. 
and they don't know that they can do it. And if they wanted to, they just, we need to educate them first that this is something that they might even want to consider. And then, you know, tell the story, get them involved, get them excited and then go, okay, yeah, you have the ability to do this. You might not think you do. You might not even know this was an option. So there's always that training and education and marketing that goes into it. Uh, that's yep. going to be a, a huge issue, uh, but not an insurmountable one, not anything that we can't overcome. I think it's just going to be some work, uh, but that's like anything. And then the other part is that with anything that's taking off, there are a lot of people doing it. And the trick for us is to differentiate ourselves and to tell our story. It's not necessarily that everybody has got a podcast now, or it's not that everybody's do. It's how are you different from those people? And what are you doing differently? What message, what story are you telling? Why should someone invest in you and your courses and your education and the way that you're delivering this information when really they can go out on YouTube and find it all if they really dig around long enough, right? They really yeah. wanted to find it. They could find it on their own. The trick is it yeah. takes a lot of time and effort and the message that they're getting, they got to filter out the bad stuff. And we're just trying to present it in a way that is digestible and teachable. Um, and we have to tell that story. So we have to be different than others who are doing it. And we also have to, you know, market and get that information out there. So people uh, know that it exists. Yeah. So just to dig a little bit deeper into how do you, you know, differentiate yourself in the marketplace. And so mm -hmm. this is something that, you know, every you know, business class is going to talk about our entrepreneurship uh, course is going to talk about you need to differentiate, differentiate yourself from the competition because there is going to be uh, multiple people out there who are doing similar things. And so how do you do that? Did you work through some sort of process for that? Did, or is this something that, you know, you, you just spent some time kind of noodling and uh, on it and, and uh, took a quick scan of what the competition was doing. Was it methodical or was this more just kind of off the hip that you were uh, just filling through it? A little bit of both. I Methodical always, like I'm constantly looking at others and what they're doing. I'm not necessarily comparing myself to them, but I am kind of getting information and sort of saying, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. And so I'm, I'm figuring out, you can go on any social media platform, whether it's Facebook, and it'll show you the history of the things that you've looked at. If you start looking at infomercials, you get nothing but infomercials. That's the, yeah. the beauty or pain of the Facebook, curse. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you will start to see these messages and you'll notice that, you know, say, for example, you look up uh, how to, to make YouTube videos and make a bunch of money. You'll have like 19 different people telling you different ways to use YouTube to make money. So yeah. there's a bunch of people doing that, but it's the person or the message or the energy or it's the presentation. That's what stops you on one of those 19. So what we had to do is figure out, okay, what message, what story do we want to tell? So it's methodical and going, okay, I like this. I don't like that. There's also part of my experience in that when I was a DJ, uh, I had to learn very quickly how to put my shows together and construct the content of a night from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. in the morning. How did I keep that yeah. dance floor packed? How did I have everybody having a good time? And when they left, go, man, that was the most fun we've had in forever, whether it was music trivia or sports trivia or interaction during the dance or getting the bride and groom to do certain things, whatever we did, you develop a way of presenting yourself. And so um, there was both the experience and the mythology behind looking at, you know, what's working, what's not working. And you got to test stuff, right? Like you got to just throw it out there. Everyone says, well, some things are going to flop. Some things are going to work really well. And when you find something that works really well, you just got to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So uh, there's always a method to everything, but uh, you sort of can lean back on previous experiences too and go, yeah, I, I was pretty good at that. I think I can do this. Awesome. And so is there any, um, you know, podcasts or books or, uh, you know, other entrepreneurs or uh, famous people that you 
you know, follow that you are um, really leveraging, I guess, for inspiration as well? Like how, where do you get your inspiration, I guess, as you're growing your business and trying to figure out, you know, how does all of the pieces um, of the business come together into something that's actually going to be a success? Sure. I mean, you can get inspiration from anywhere. I get inspiration from my wife. I get inspiration from my kids. I get inspiration from fellow hockey parents. I mean, wherever you're, if you are willing to be open to things that are around you, you can get inspiration from anything. Um, but that said, to answer your question, yes, I do listen to a lot of different podcasts, whether they're entrepreneurial, um, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Amy Porterfield, uh, Jenna Kuchar. I listen to a lot of that stuff because they do talk yeah. about you know, digital courses. They talk about uh, blogging. They talk about different strategies. And I I'll pull little nuggets about, you know, SEO here or writing content there, creating a good headline here, or just things that you can go, man, I could, I can do that. Like that, I think would work. That would apply to what I'm doing here. And then of course I have to keep up with sports, right? So I'm in that field. So I listen to a lot of sports um, and it's just one of the ways that I digest a lot of content. So for me to keep the content flowing on the writing that I do on a regular basis, I'm listening to sports podcasts all the time. So it, it's just, constantly getting in the information and filtering out the stuff that'll work for you and then sort of just moving on from the stuff that won't. Yeah. And it's it truly like any type of sports reporter, uh, anybody who's writing, anybody who's covering sports, I've always just really admired how they are able to actually follow all of the volume because in a league like like the NHL, I mean, there's so many games happening every night and to really understand what happened in each one of them so that you can intelligently talk about it the next morning. It's just it boggles my mind. And so the amount of content that you consume, right? It's a fire hose. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was really curious if you have any, any room within that pipeline to get any type of entrepreneurial stuff. And so it's great that you're still connect, connecting with other entrepreneurs and following uh, different thought leaders in the different spaces, especially in the course development. Yeah. And you got to be selective about what you take from the fire hose too, right? Like when it all comes yeah. at you, your job as a writer, your job as somebody who's creating content is to pull out something both that's relevant and a good story and trending. So that eliminates like 90% of the information that yeah. you're receiving. You just got to pick that 10% or even that 1% that you're like, that's a good story. That would be interesting in figuring it out. Um, when you're able to, you know, filter and, and siphon it off like that, it, it makes your job a whole lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now, um, if you were to go back to your younger entrepreneurial self, and so this would be going back, what, a couple of decades, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, or so. So yeah. a couple of dec decades ago, if you were able to send your younger self a letter, what would be in that letter? Uh, I probably would say something like, you know, just get ready for the ride. Uh, know that you got to <laughs> stay in the fight uh, because there's going to be a lot of hard times and, Others are going to not understand what you're doing. They might even be doubtful that you can do it. Uh, you got to ignore that. Uh, you got to sort of just go, you know what? This is something I'm passionate about. This is something I'm following. I have both short-term aspirations to achieve a goal, but also long-term, I know what I want down the road. And for me, I'm building towards something that I, my idea of success is that you are sustainable in your life, but you're doing something that you enjoy every day. Like, I don't necessarily need the millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's like, if I'm comfortable, I'm sustaining this. I like it. And most importantly, I wake up and I do something I like every day. And I, yeah. I don't like, this doesn't feel like work to me. That's a success. And the only way to get there 
is to go along for the ride understand it's not going to be a straight line it's up and down it's these hills and valleys it's all sorts of, you just got to stay in it you can't quit because it does get tough and it is hard for people to stay in that fight um so that's probably what i just a reminder to myself to stay in it yeah so now obviously from what you were just saying there in terms of each morning you got to wake up and you have to come at it with the enthusiasm and you know the excitement for what it is that you're doing there's going to be some down days and, and whatnot too but there has has to usually anyway be some sort of longer term vision like there's a goal that you're you're trying to strive for do you have that as well or do you just approach it as you know just one day it's a grind i'm just going to come i'm going to show up each and every day and i'm just going to really try to find enjoyment out of it and, and improve each and every day yeah, I have both. Uh, I make short-term goals for myself uh, for any given month. When it comes to writing, for example, I have page views that I want to hit. So I make a goal for that month and I, I shoot to hit that goal, uh, whether it's a million page views that month or what have you, I'll do that. I make a goal for the year. And then I have like kind of my bucket list vision for where I want something to go. And for me with the sports uh, digital course or the content courses and the digital education I'm doing, I would love at some point down the road to be able to have you know, we're back to full, full strength with people getting together, but have a big conference where we get all of these content creators, all of these mm -hmm. sports fans together and really share their wins and their stories and how they've done. Like that would be awesome for me, whether it's Vegas or Nashville yeah. or something like that. I just have a big community of people who have all kind of gone through this struggle together and said, man, I did not know that loving the New York jets or the Edmonton Oilers or the LA Lakers could be so profitable. Like, this is fantastic. And look at what I'm doing with this and just be able to, to share those wins with people and teach others, right. Just to constantly yeah. show people that this does exist for you if you want it. Uh, and it's there. So that's long-term stuff for me. Uh, I do believe that that's a viable option. Got to get the short-term wins though, to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Okay. So here comes the tough questions now. Sure. Then, okay. So I was just warming you up. So best, um, you know, hockey player, of the Edmonton Oilers in the history of the franchise, go Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, so yeah, you, it's you still, still are, it's you, you still are there. Yeah. I, here's the here's the catch. I think Connor yeah. McDavid yeah. might be the most skilled, you know, athletic, fast, gifted player that's ever played in the hockey. But Wayne Gretzky is just on another level, right? He he got <laughs> points and numbers no one will ever get. He played for, in the for his with, time, right? Yes. Yeah. And he, they yeah. would water ski on him and they would hit him and do whatever they could do to stop him. And he still got 200 plus points a year. So there's just, nobody's yeah. ever going to do what he was able to do. So it's very hard to compare the, those generations. Um, so gifted athleticism, maybe Connor McDavid, but the hockey and the ability and the hockey sense and the smarts, Wayne Gretzky all day long. Okay. And so what about your favorite player to watch on the ice? Currently or ever? Ever. I liked Mario Lemieux a lot. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. really fun to watch. He had both the size, the speed, the skill, the ability to pull off plays. You just like, that's unbelievable. Uh, currently, I'm a big fan of Leon Dreisaitl and the way he slows the game down and he just works yeah. it. He's working his own speed and everybody works around him, uh, which is really fun to watch. But Mario Lemieux might be one of the most gifted players I've ever seen. Yeah, I, you know, and and Leon, it was just incredible through our last playoff run, right? Like at the end there when he he, he couldn't even hardly stand up out yeah. there. And yet he was still out there disrupting the game and, and having massive impact. That was just like, holy shit, this guy is something special, right? That's yeah. the moments where you're just like, this is this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, when you can do that and have an impact on the game and you're not even half strength, that tells yeah. you about how good you are. 
Okay. And he and knows it too. The- he knows it too, right? He knows he's that good. <laughs> yeah, he's smart too. Yeah. Um, and what about uh, in terms of winning the cup this year? What's your prediction? Whew, uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think the Oilers do have a shot at it. I don't love this Evander yeah. Kane news. He just went down for three no. to four months. That's not great news. But no. uh, I Carolina's got a really good team. I think they're going to be uh, – I would love to see a Carolina-Edmonton final from 2006 repeat itself. I think that would, that would be a be lot great. of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Great. Okay. So if anybody wanted to connect with you, wanted to follow some of your work um, or connect with you or, um, you know, just learn how that if they have a passion for writing and passion for sports, how they can get involved with this as well and take a course or two. What's the best way of connecting with you? Sure. Well, I have my main website is equinoxsound.com. They can check out all the different work that we do. But if they're interested in the sports course, it's sportssidehustle.com. They just give me their name and email. There's a free download that comes with that. It just teaches the four free pillars, the four free keys that you need to unlock your ability to do this. So that's completely free. You can go to sportssidehustle.com to get that download. And then we'll tell them all about the course uh, and they can get involved if they want to. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate you taking the time today to share your story with us. And for those who are listening, if you enjoyed this episode and want to check out some of our past episodes, as well as the future ones, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. Or if you're watching this and you would prefer to be listening to it, uh, so you can be a little bit more mobile, you can find us by searching Amplify Your Business on any of the major podcasting platforms out there. And so until next time, everybody stay prosperous. And you heard it here first. Jim is predicting the Oilers are winning the cup in 2023. Okay, here we go. Go Oilers. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you.